told me you're leaving You couldn't even break the news A little trip just for the weekend I didn't know what I would lose And now your phone just keeps on ringing No answer there for me to find And all the news that this keeps bringing It's just the lowdown hurting kind You said you loved me yesterday Diamond ring upon your hand Vow between us said forever I would always be your man Now the only thing I know Is that you won't be back again Saw the signs but could not reason Why you would ever hurt me so In better times and better seasons We watched a life before us grow Now I'm standing here behind you No longer part of any plan I couldn't change this if I tried to Your body's with another man You said you loved me yesterday A diamond ring upon your hand A vow between us said forever I would always be your man Now the only thing I know Is that you won't be back again starting off, or I guess this season, we've been starting off our show with Live on the Drew Marshall Show, devoted solely to the art of music. This week's recording artist, J.P. Cormier. jp-cormier.com is the website. Jean-Paul. Jean-Paul. J.P. Cormier is a uh, Canadian bluegrass folk Celtic singer-songwriter with a personality disorder, apparently, and a multi-instrumentalist. To date, he has won 13 East Coast Music Awards and one Canadian Folk Music Award. He was born in London, Ontario, but he didn't stay there that long, so we can't hold it against him. Uh, and he began playing guitar around the age of five, and as a child, he displayed an unusual ability to play a variety of instruments by ear, which uh, led to uh, cauliflower ear, right? Just like a rugby player gets. We want to uh, welcome to the studio, for hopefully not the last time, but definitely the first time, if that makes any sense, J.P. Cormier. Sir! How are you now, as they say up in the North Country? Not so bad. Big drive from Leamington last night. Yeah. How long does that take to get back to Mr. Mississauga from there? Three hours. No way. Yeah. Did you take the bus? <laughs> no. <laughs> JP uh, Cormier, you have been um, kind of playing that guitar for quite a while. And when we started setting things up here, I said, um, you know, there was a song I'd, I'd maybe if you could pull out of your hat near the end of this of this session. I said, I think Tommy Manuel played it when he was here in studio, and your eyebrows went up, I think. Um, 
Uh, do you like Tommy Emanuel? Do you think he can play the guitar okay? Yeah, I think so. He, who, who, uh, who's better, Tommy Emanuel or Chet Atkins? Oh, cat uh, amongst pigeons. Well, I don't. I, Chet, Chet is uh, Chet, and forgot more about guitar than we'll ever know. Yeah, but the best guitar player in the world today is Tommy. You think so? Oh, absolutely. Huh. There's nobody that I. There's nobody anywhere that can do what he can do. It isn't just his technical ability; it's his stage presence, the the, uh, the uh, energy, the well, it's 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 its ability to do anything. Right. He he has no boundaries of style or genre. Or he can do anything. Yeah. And do it well, like better than anybody else. Yeah. And how about uh, how about Canadians? Do you have any favorite Canadian axe men? Uh, who smell good? Good lord, I don't really. I, Sorry, Bruce Coburn. Yeah, you know, honestly, let me just say something about Bruce Coburn for a second. His guitar playing has gotten substantially better over the years. Yeah. That dude still practices his face off. Do yeah. you practice, JP? Never. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I've just been doing it. I do it every day for a living, so. Yeah. It's, uh, the only, I, I do practice, I suppose. I, I suppose you call it practicing if I wanted to learn something new. I do. I have to do it. I have to do it over and over again for ten, fifteen minutes. And then that's, Jeez, that's how that's long it takes me to tune my guitar. <laughs> Tell us about the axe you have in your hand, because it looks like a lovely little, well-dressed Yamaha. Well, I started working with Yamaha probably nearly ten years ago when they came out with the L series handmade guitars in the mid two thousands, and I've always been a fan of their handmades. Hmm. They, uh, the gentleman that designed them and built them, Hiroshi uh, uh, Sakurai, was uh, uh, they started they started putting out these guitars, and I became became a clinician for Yamaha and ended up with several of the of them high and high end <coughs> guitars. They're they were much too expensive for the normal market. They're like six eight thousand dollars. So wow. these ones here are made by his son. Oh, so they're only worth a couple of grand. Well, these are these come in at a, at a thousand dollars, and they're made, they're made at the same shop. They're all handmade and bound in, ma in ma a Canadian maple, Canadian top, Indian rosewood back and size, and they're just and they come with a K and K pickup installed, which is a passive with no battery and lots of output. And I just for the money, you can't beat them. Yeah. So they're Canadian made or just Canadian? Canadian, Canadian parts. Yamaha has always used Canadian spruce oh, for okay. their tops. Uh, for a long, long, long time, time now, yeah. Give us a little, uh, what does that guitar sound like? I'd like to, I'd like to actually hear what well, that Well, it is plugged like. in, but... I'm glad we put the fat on that. That is yeah. nice. A little bottom hanging out. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's plugged in dry into the board, but still sounds good yeah it is so. yeah no that's nice that's nice i remember years ago when i was living in california there was a guy named dennis agajanian who was a bit of a freak show flat picker um flat picking these days not as trendy as it used to be i would say well a lot of the great flat pickers are gone yeah like uh, the guys that inspired me like doc watson has passed away tony rice is Incapacitated with illness and can't play anymore. Dan Crary is still around, but he's he's getting aged. But he still plays well. But he's not touring as much. He's nearly eighty years old. So is he really? Clarence White is gone. He's dead. Uh, there's just so many of them that are just gone. And flat pickings almost become as generic as banjo players. Yeah, you know, it used to be. It was interesting to see a flat picker because there weren't many of them. But now there's lots of them in the bluegrass world and they're all really good yeah 
So, but they don't. None of them really stand out as much as you know the, the old masters did. You sure, know? sure. Ralph Stanley. Yeah, Ralph Stanley. Yeah. We're trying to book him on the show. Uh, I think they're a little concerned about how he may communicate these days. Uh, but boy, that is that that kind of voice and that that stuff he's put out for such a long time. Man, that's good stuff. Oh yeah. He's a he's a mainstay in the music, and he kind of really became mainstream. I think when "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou" came out, right with uh, yeah. "Death," where uh, "Oh Death," yeah. "Oh Death," yeah. yeah, you know that that old man raspy voice singing thing. Yeah, I went to meet him when I was a kid uh, at his festival in McClure, Virginia. Okay, and uh, I was probably fifteen or sixteen years old, and he was amazing. I was, and I've done some shows with him over the years. You have not? Festivals. Oh yeah, yeah, wow, and. Uh, Played, I actually played right before him at a festival in, uh, I can't remember where it was now. He may have been, may have been in Kentucky, the Master Musicians Festival, something like that. And he was such a, he's just a sweet old man, you know, he's just a nice man. Yeah. He's very. It's like Tim. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. You're like you're a nice old man, Tim. Yeah, thanks, you are, buddy. Well, Listen, except Tim doesn't play the banjo near as well. No, no, he does not. Well, but he does in play my dreams. He does play bagpipes. Tim does. And he walks a lot, too, to get away from the sound, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it, brother. <laughs> that was so quick. So quick. Um, well, let's do a wee, a wee tune, shall we? What, sure. What do you want to lay on us there, JP? Well, let's wake everybody up with a few couple, couple of jigs, maybe. I think we should do that again live on the Drew Marshall Show for the first time, Mr. JP Cormier. <laughs>
that's how you want to start, huh? Hey. Is that how you warm up before a gig? Sometimes. I, I, I find that uh, the, um, the fact that you don't have smoke coming out of a guitar is astounding. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it depends. <laughs> Some days are better than others. I'm playing a long time, so it's... How many years? Well, since you're a teenager. Uh, 40, I've been playing for 41 years. Wow. Best gig you've ever had. Stupid question, hard to answer. I'm going to ask it anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, well, you know what? One of the best ones ever, I, strangely enough, just just happened. Really? Leamington? Uh, no. And, uh, <laughs> no, although that was fantastic. I was at the Wheatley Legion, and it was for Kingsville Folk Festival. It was a great, great gig. Right. But... Uh, in October, I uh, I'm part of the Celtic Colors Festival. It happens in Cape Breton every year. It's nineteenth nineteen years in a row I've played that festival. It's a massive international Celtic festival. And for the closing show, uh, the myself and the Bear McNeils and nice. the other act was Ricky Skaggs. Come on, and me, me I get to I get to play a couple numbers on stage with Skaggs and, and Kentucky Thunder, and it was wow. it was absolutely stellar. It's one of the I'm, best times man. I ever had in my life. Tim, I'm trying to remember when we had Ricky on the show. Do you remember that? Uh, Were you not here? performing, but yeah, no, we've interviewed him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. He's a oh, tremendously yeah. nice man. He seemed like a, a country gentleman. He for really, sure. He really yes. is, yeah. He's, Tim, why are you louder than me? Turning uh, you down because um, you love that. Because <laughs> I'm an old nice man, and my volume. He doesn't play up. banjo, but plays bagpipes. Yes. yes, and can walk very swiftly while playing. <laughs> can I like run? Actually, can you swing those sticks? Can you swing those little batons? Can I? Yeah. <laughs> As I'm playing, yeah, with the tassels. Oh, yeah. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, that Skaggs would be amazing. Was, Skaggs was incredible, and he. Was, and I look. I've been around. I've been around that man for thirty years, and uh, played the same shows as him, and been around him. And but I mean, it was uh, it was so, we were really laughing about it because it was the first time we ever actually played on stage together after all these years of being of being around each other and and working with uh, you know associated acts. Like when I was in was out when I was in Nashville. The, the last three or four years of my career in Nashville, I was working with Marty Stewart a lot, who's a friend of Ricky's and nice. plays with Ricky, yeah. And, yeah. and and just goes on and on. All these, all these. Uh, You'd have so many friends in common. Our friends list yeah, would yeah. be the same, right? Yeah. But me and him never got a chance to. Do what is the? How many degrees of separation to Kevin Bacon uh, would you maybe have? Well, I don't know. M not that many, because he's. You know what? He's a musician. Uh, here's too, here's yeah. some movie trivia for you. Okay, okay. Here okay. You, go. you remember a uh, a movie from the uh, early '90s called The Perfect Weapon? Can anybody tell me who the star of that was? Because there's only one movie with him in it. Oh, he was a he was a sticks expert named Jeff Speakman. A sticks expert? Yeah, like a like, uh, like, like a, the band? Like a no no like a samurai a sword. Oh, expert. one of those guys, Sean and, Connery's brother. Yes, and. Uh, he he actually showed up one night when we were playing the Opry, and turns out he was a musician. And then it turns out he was playing the Station Inn that night, and ended up inviting us all over there. And here, and I had just finished watching this guy's movie. It was a great movie. He's really he was really good. He did, he quit the business, so he just did one movie and went yeah. back to teaching. Right? Yeah, as you do. Yeah, he didn't want he didn't want it wasn't his thing, but he. That's how strange those degrees of separations are. Like, okay, you, so who is so, it? Oh, he's just. 
Some guy. Oh, some guy. Okay, yeah. I thought we were going to be like yeah. this great no. moment of revelation. No, no, it was, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like his, Tim, this, Tim this likes a, clear stories. Yeah, <laughs> this guy was, this guy was a Hollywood action hero for six months and for a day on the, you know, <clears throat> whatever it was, and there he was at the Opry playing music with us. Ridiculous. Out of nowhere, right? Like you don't, you just don't know who you're going to meet, right? It's incredible. Well, uh, it's a privilege to meet you. I had heard about you uh, through. Um, some folks in the biz. I'm trying to uh, remember who the heck it was I was talking to. Well, it sounds like he'll probably know them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they they were surprised I hadn't had you on the show yet. So uh, so there you go, folks. I want to let you know you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're in the middle of live on the Drew Marshall Show, devoted solely to the art of music. This week's recording artist J.P. Cormier is in the house. I had a little trip down memory lane the other day. Listening to a lot of uh, Gord stuff because of the you know the Edmund 40th anniversary yeah. of the Emmett Fitzgerald sinking. And Lightfoot's a friend of mine, and I've never seen his life. Okay, you ever. don't do that yeah, to me, you man. Just drop that. You can't say Light, yeah, Lightfoot's a friend of mine and then start. He was a ninja. You were talking about wasn't yeah. he? That was the guy. Uh, he's a ninja, all right. I'll tell you. <laughs> it's my favorite songwriter of all time. Man, I am astounded at how many of his songs I know word for word. Oh yeah, and and I was enthralled with him as a young kid. I did a school project on him. That's what, and, and this is when I was in grade six or seven. So what kids that age were into Gordon Lightfoot back then? You were? I, oh, I, yeah, I, totally. I was. Oh, okay. I grew up with That's him. the end of that story then. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean you grew up with him? I grew up with his music in the oh, house okay. continually. Yeah. Yeah. Can you play another song? Sure. I'm getting bored of us talking. I want to hear you play. What are you going to give? You know, he doesn't even know yet. He's getting the capo out, folks. Let me just tell you, the website that you may want to uh, you may want to hook into here is uh, is called uh, JP Hyphen Cormier C O R M I E R JP Hyphen Cormier dot com. Of course, uh, many folks know him as a Canadian bluegrass folk Celtic singer songwriter and multi instrumentalist. Here are the instruments that I hear he plays. Fiddle, 12-string guitar, upright bass, banjo, mandolin, drums, percussion, synthesizer, cello, tenor, banjo, and piano. And uh, one, there's a video out there very few people have seen where he plays all of those at the same time. So if you can find those, that video, please send it to uh, drewmarshall.ca. J.P. Cormier, what are you going to do? Well, seeing as we are on a, a God station? Christian station, I think I want to do a little gospel for you. I, just, I grew up playing this stuff, too. This is an old thing I got off of Merle Travis. What's it called? It's called I Am a Pilgrim. Nice. J.P. Cormier, live in the Drew Marshall Show.
just to cleanse my weary soul If I could touch but the hem of his garment, good Lord, I do believe it would make me whole I am a pilgrim and a stranger Traveling through this worse land City, good Lord, and it's not, not made by hand. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. Who does that? <laughs> J.P. Cormier does that, folks. <laughs> what is it about that, that kind of music that, I don't know, it's, I mean, it just seems to penetrate the soul a little bit, right? I mean, and it's not just the God lyrics. It's the it's the whole thing combined. Is it a throwback kind of feel? Is it a, a different time, a it's different like day? Food. It's like comfort it's like, food. It's like Campbell's tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. Well, I was, uh, when I, it, it wasn't a type of music that I set out to become involved in, but because of the genres of music I listened to, which were, which were mainly Americana and bluegrass and stuff like that, it's, 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 it's part of it. It's inundated with that, yeah. with that, with that uh, theme. And uh, then, of course, the, the first job I ever took in the United States when I was 15 years old, I went to work for a band called the Sullivan Family. Heard of them. Which was a bluegrass gospel yep. group. And so I was involved in a gospel ministry with them and their uncle Jerry and Tammy, who... I'm sorry. Did you say Tammy? Yeah. Jerry you know when, Tammy, you, when I hear when I hear gospel and I hear Tammy. <laughs> yeah. No. No. You know no, what I'm no, saying? Different one. Maybe okay. it's Maybelline. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah. The gospel hair, big hair. Yeah. But I mean, I was in that. I was involved in that ministry for like ten years, and and wrote a lot of gospel music, and and was around it all the time. Like I used to, we used to play the big gospel conventions with all the quartets and. You know, I played. But did you get saved, man? Did you get saved? Well, what, <laughs> depends on what you mean by that. <laughs> True story. I was. I was once, one time. I was swimming, and yeah. I can't. <laughs> and got saved. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, it's. Uh, I think you're right. It's comfort food. It's some, even people who uh, aren't don't believe that's they they feel it. Yeah, and that's why it's, that's why it's such a great tool to comfort people. I mean, okay. Elvis used to always fall back into that stuff. It was said backstage after he just want to sing, and that's what he would sing with the boys. Yeah, because it's the easiest thing to do. There's, there's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an automatic emotion. Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to fuel that. You know, uh, I remember the first time I saw gospel music in in public, like not in church, but in a real, like a legit concert. And I saw thousands of people who probably had, you know, the vast majority had no holy grunt interest in the holy stuff anyway. And they were into it. And it was the Blind Boys of Alabama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just down home at the Stan Rogers Festival. They just played there about five or six years ago. Yeah. And I was with them. It's great. Yeah. I remember, they, sorry, I was going to say that Peter Gabriel concert years and years ago, like beers all over the place and that lovely musty scent of you know what. And, yeah. and everybody <laughs> in that place was just Sage. on their feet. Yeah. It was amazing. I think that uh, I think that God works through any kind of music. That's hey, listen. That is, Jesus rode in on an ass, so if God can use an ass, yeah. Then welcome to the Drew Marshall Show. <laughs> you can then tune into the Drew Marshall Show <laughs> Saturdays. I've, I've, I've personally I've seen it. I've seen people just absolutely blown away by by secular music because you can tell from here and you watch the person doing it. and You're going, he's not doing that. Yeah, he's just mm -hmm. the vessel for it. 
and you feel it. Your hair stands I, up. Your I feel like that straight. when I watch Tommy live. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tom, yeah. Tommy's Tommy's supernatural. Tommy Manuel. Something throwing, throwing back to that. There's one. something. There's something about him that's just not not normal. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. Uh, and he, and he sweats yeah. profusely. I got to yeah. say, I hugged him uh, about a month or so ago when he was playing St. Lawrence uh, down in Toronto. And I, I came away with a moist uh, shirt. Oh, yeah, I, I'm the same. We all do. All guitar players, I think, are... I just wanted to share that sweating story. Yeah. By you... age 16, J.P. Cormier had recorded his first album, a collection of bluegrass instrumentals, and he began working the U.S. Supreme Court circuit. <laughs> Festival circuit. Yeah, Judge Roy Bean, they called me. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't it be Jim? Yeah, Jim. Um, this led him to move to the United States of America and to begin working as a session musician. He continued uh, to perform live in the festival circuit at the Grand Old Opry with uh, country artists Waylon Jennings, Marty Stewart, Earl Scruggs, Bill Monroe. Bill Monroe, dude. Wow. I set, uh, I, I did a mixtape <laughs> of bluegrass. And sent it to Bill Monroe. <laughs> Back during his Bill Monroe stocking years. No. He dropped this on you, bro. I sent him some Beastie Boys. I love him. Yeah. No, I put together a mixtape of uh, bluegrass stuff for the rodeo at the ranch. Oh, yeah. And when guys would buck out, as soon as the, the gate would crack, we'd hit, we'd hit the tape, right? Oh, my God. And it was just bluegrass stuff going on. It was yeah. all Bill Monroe 24-7. Sweet. In 1989, J.P. Cormier attended the now-named Northeast Mississippi Community College in Boonville, Mississippi. Tell you what, that is an apropos name. Boonville, Mississippi, where he majored in music education. And it was him, too, Daniel. Stop that's, it. Uh, no, it's serious. That's who the town was named really? after. Yes, sir, yeah. yeah. At the time, it was one of only three colleges in North America that offered a specialty in bluegrass instruments. First of all, I didn't even know there was one college that offered bluegrass there, instrumentation. There's actually three. It's, it's, uh, and it's not, it's, it, is, it includes bluegrass, but it's uh, a program called uh, American, Traditional uh, American Traditional Music and Folklore. Okay. And it, uh, there's three of them. There's one, in, uh, the, the, there's one in Tennessee at Nashville at uh, uh, Tennessee State University, the one in Boonville, and there's one in Texas where it started. And all of the graduates of that course are go on to work in the, in the music business, either as players or broadcasters or TV or recording. And, uh, Take us to 2009, man. What a year. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, well, the biggest thing that happened to me in 2009 was a car wreck uh, where I, that I broke my back in. And, uh, uh, and then shortly after that, my marriage dissolved and... A whole bunch of things happening in the space of six months that it sort of changed everything around. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, tough. I spent many, many weeks uh, trying to uh, learn how to get around again with a, with a vertebrae broken in my back. And, but I, we continued touring. And, uh, so how did, uh, you, how did you do that? Like, I mean... <laughs> I can see Dave Grohl with a broken leg sitting in a chair, but when you got vertebrae, like, how do you play? Sitting down, standing up, like, that sounds like impossible well, to do. Well, the very, I, I played the very first gig about four days after I got out of the hospital, and they had, uh, I dressed all in black, and they found a black kitchen chair, and they gaff taped me into the chair. <laughs> so, because we couldn't, we weren't telling anybody what happened to me. We kept it a secret. Right. We didn't want anybody, anybody to know. Because we would have, I mean, they would stop hiring you, or they, people don't want to hire you if you're injured, because they either think you can't play, or they don't want to put you through the pain of playing. 
Right. So we had to keep it a complete secret. There's still people to this day that didn't know that don't know I I was injured ever. That will go really? Why is your back hurt? Oh well, because I broke my back. Oh, so yeah, they they gaff taped me and lifted me onto the stair stage and pushed me out and the curtains open and I played the whole day, the whole the whole show. <laughs> and then the curtains closed and they come cut me out of the chair and put me back in the car like it was like that. Now were you on? Any painkillers? Because I'm thinking that would sort of numb your senses when they, you're playing. Uh, I, I don't take any kind of drugs, no. They, they put me... I was on you said that like that's the way your lawyer wanted you to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I... I do not take any kind of drugs. Yeah, I was on... Nothing? Nothing. Uh. They, they, uh, I, don't, I just don't believe in it. I, I want to know if I'm hurting. And, uh, you probably would, so, strapped uh, to a chair. Yeah, so they, put, they had me on morphine in the hospital and then Oxycontin for two days, and I... Uh, that was more than I wanted to that. That was the worst thing I ever was on in my life. What's the correlation between the pain you went through and that kind of career discombobulation and your release of somewhere in the back of my heart? Those kind of moments make you dig down deep. Yeah, well, I was just turning 40, and and uh, well, uh, somewhere in the back of my heart was actually intended to be my very last record. I was, I was, I was intent on retiring from from touring and just going to teaching and and maybe some clinicking and stuff like that and and because uh, at that at that point in time I everything sort of had fallen apart I was just I was out in the road with a really good trio the Elliott brothers Bill and Mike were out with me but it was just getting to be uh, I just wasn't happy mm. with anything I, I wasn't happy with my, how I was playing I was writing, like nothing was going the way I thought it should go when you turned 40, you know, and 41. But are you prone to darkness anyway? I think all artists are prone to darkness. Amen. Because we have to look at things that aren't too pleasant sometimes mm -hmm. in order to tell the story of it so people know what's going on in their world, you know. And I've had to do that many, many times, look at things that were horrible hmm. so that I could tell their story. So you have to have a you have to, it's just like Johnny Cash said you, you 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 wear black so you can carry some of it off with you when you go and take it out of people's lives. That's lot. a good quote. I've never yeah. heard that before. Say it again. <laughs> Say it John, again. It's in it's in the song Man in Black. He uh, he said the, he wears black so he can carry a little bit of it off on his back when he leaves. Wow. He he wants to take it and that's it's the truth. Like we we do the reason I write songs like that uh, that have you know that tell true stories of the plight of ordinary people you know that we don't really take we take for granted don't don't think about that's why because it makes their load a little lighter if everybody knows what's going on you know yeah cam can you do another song please please sure please are we getting close to the end well i want you to do another song but then i want you to go out with that song i want you to go out with you know what i'm saying sure what was that song i was talking about remember the one you had to do all the retune Fox yeah 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 what does the fox say? Nobody knows. Tell us about this song. Set it up. Set it up, baby. Well, this song, uh, this is uh, this is one of my darkness songs, but uh, it uh, it had a, a profound effect on people. And the, the night that I wrote it, I put a I put a clip of it on YouTube or on, uh, on Facebook and. In about two days, it had a quarter million hits, and then we did a lyric video for it, for it, and then it was up to over a million, and now it's four million between the two videos we originally launched in the YouTube platform and my fan page platform, and it's just gone. It went viral, and uh, the main thing that I was told 
when this came out was that no one had ever said this before. And I don't know why. It boggles my mind that nobody ever said any of these things before. But uh, this is this is what I said. You get home from the service as the spring begins to turn. Started living for today. The president could not find him, nor could his wife and kids. He was there, but he's gone. Soon his only comfort was a bottle and his gun. Something right that went so wrong. And the silence keeps on coming as the movie plays again.
wonder that thing went viral. Oh, yeah. jumping. Oh. Buddy, that is some good songwriting. It was a gift from God. God, he shot that down to me, I'm sure. Man, appreciate you making the effort to come uh, come on down here, and I appreciate uh, your talent, and I want to apologize for <laughs> uh, taking 13 years to get you on the show. Oh, that's okay. No, it's embarrassing. I'll tell you what you need to make it up. Yeah. Tell everybody about my Christmas sale. I've, I've, I've put my entire back catalog on a USB key. That's per a good idea. Personalized. It's, it'll come with my name on it and everything. You get my entire back catalog for $60. Wow. 14 records, 218 sides on it. <laughs> and uh, it's going like hotcakes. So if you want it, go to the site, jp-cormier.com, and you can click on it and buy it right there. Or is that, you can buy is that it. song you just played on it? Uh, no, that's on the new album. There's, so there's a new album as right. well. But that will go eventually go on the key in about 18 months. Nice. But, All right. Uh, there it is. Big, big chunk of music for 60 bucks. That's crazy. JP-Cormier.com uh, is where you want to go for all things uh, JP-Cormier, including this great uh, Christmas deal. Yes. It's a Christmas special. It's pretty cool. I, I don't think anybody's ever done it. So no, that's a great idea. I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Good for you, and you know you're cutting out the uh, you're cutting out the middleman on that nonsense too, right? Well, I know I have a lot of I have a lot of people that have supported me in, through my whole life, and I know some of them can't get all the records because they're so hard to keep them all pressed. It's very cost prohibitive. So yeah, it's like my is, shirts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I noticed how wrinkle free you are this morning. <laughs> very, very. I was I felt very comforted by the uh, lack of wrinkles, the smoothness of your attire. Shirts. Brother. All right, this is getting away on us here. Um, I, I watch. This is our video that we highlighted of you on our website, drewmarshall.ca. Uh, nice little black and white job. You got the camera on the uh, headstock and somewhere else, some guy walking around or whatever. I don't know where it was. But it, it was a good video. It was a great song, and I love this tune. So thank you. This is kind of a special request. This is just for you, Drew. Thank you, Puddin'. I wouldn't have done this for anybody else except someone as bald and neatly pressed as you. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? Um, tell us, what is, where does the foxglove come from? Well, it's a flower, right? Thank yeah. you. Yes, yes. Yeah. And is uh, who was the original one to kind of make this song big? Oh, Bruce Coburn wrote this in 1966. Yeah. That's or how 60, old it is? No, yeah, it's, it's old. Well, I know he's he old, was, he, No, no, I didn't know me and him. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 we're isolating that clip. You said Bruce Coburn's old. I'm saying that clip. No, God, no. Bruce, uh, Bruce was way ahead of his time. That's, like, that's, that's what yeah. I tell people when they hear this song. It sounds so modern. It's 50 years old almost, you know, and he was he was a brilliant guitar player. Still is. Yeah. I love Bruce. I've been around him a lot in my How time. He, yeah. was it three times on the show, I think? And At least. Every time we get him on, Tim's not here, and he gets yep. angry with me. Or yeah. he just doesn't show up for your interviews. That was one of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he felt you got to guilt people into doing good interviews these days. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So here it is, uh, folks. Uh, J.P. Cormier going out with Foxglove here on the Drew Marshall Show.
to me. I'm a musician. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. Worth the drive to Acton right there. <laughs> okay, Drew. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. You're looking at me like, uh, I'm not sure you're going to punch me or what. <laughs> I think he wants a sweaty hug like Tony Emanuel. I want a sweaty hug, You baby. can have a sweaty hug, buddy. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> man you're looking a little teary over there i like that it's good i kind of get a little teary over there myself for some reason i don't know why it's called the sweat dripping down yeah. my <laughs> well okay we're gonna go out with a, a track from jp cormier's uh cd here called the chance love the uh album work on that here's a track uh the legend of macarthur's mine quick uh, backstory to this it's just an, a sort of an imaginary story i i came up with uh uh, one one time, just writing gospel songs. It's a story song about a about a mine and a and a woman and a family who suffers tragedy and and uh, attains salvation through the tragedy. Man, yeah, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Going out with the one and only J.P. Cormier. light that shines and the miracle that came from down below it was a miracle that came from down below widow clark once had a husband and a father for her son for macarthur's dollar he worked like all the rest but a coal cart on the line cut the man down in his prime Left her all alone to stand the test Left a good woman all alone to stand the test With her face turned hard from God Her only love beneath the sod Her son became more like a man each day And his faith in God was strong While her grudge still lingered on And she couldn't sleep at night for hearing him pray Though her anger burned inside and she heard him pray
Like his father just before him, he died too. Widow Clark's left standing brave beside another empty grave as the Padre reaches for her shaking hand. But with words so full of hate, she said your God is much too late.